Yeah, you're live. Oh, I'm live now? Yeah. <laughs> well, hi there. <laughs> we're live now, and uh, welcome to the Hot Rod Bible Study, where tonight we're going to do something completely different. Whereas my 10th grade English teacher, Miss Goldbrick, used to say, we're going to do something new and groovy. But with the, the restrictions on where we get to meet, well, how many people we get to hang out with, uh, we come across the uh, miracles of modern technology, and we are now live. So uh, I pray that this is beneficial to you guys, too. And uh, that's what we're going to get doing here. So if, uh, please join me in prayer right off the bat. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, we're able to meet like this, and we pray that uh, our hearts are open to your word, and that everything that we do here tonight is glorifying to you. We pray this in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Amen. Now, usually this time of the Bible study, we do some singing. We sing a couple songs, get our hearts ready for uh, to receive God's word, but as the uh, worship leader in here tonight, and I'm sure you guys don't want to hear me sing Acapulco, I think we're just going to forego that, and I'll just let you know where we are. We are in the book of Job, and we will be in chapter 29, and then a little bit of 30 as well, so you might want to open your Bibles to that. Now, for those of you who are regular attenders to the Hot Rod Bible Study, uh, either, this here's the shameless plug, either Tuesday nights at, at Ron and Cindy Van Grau's house over in Redlands, or here at Ed Martin Garage on Thursday nights which in Riverside, which is at 6 p.m. both times, uh, you know where we are, but not everybody else that might be watching knows. So uh, we've been in the book of Job, which for seems like, what do you think, guys, about... Yeah, forever, yeah, this is about it. It's pretty long. Uh, we get to find out the reason why there is the idiom, the patience of Job. Uh, for uh, Again, for those of you who haven't been here, I'm going to do a, a brief uh, overview of everything. You see, our hero Job was a man that God described as blameless and upright. And he is also very blessed. Uh, he had, oh, lots of property, lots of livestock. He was blessed with a large family. He had seven sons and three daughters. He had many servants and everything. This guy really had it going. He was kind of the uh, Bill Gates of his, of his era and well-known. Uh, known as the uh, greatest man in the East. So he was pretty well blessed and all. And one day, uh, Satan began a conversation with God saying, hey, you know what? I think if, uh, if you blessed me in the same manner that you blessed Job, then I'd be praising you too. Well, which was a lie. But anyway, I... Uh, Satan goes on to say, well, you know, if you just take down this hedge of protection around Job, that he will curse you to your face. So God says, okay, you're on. Have at it. 
just, just don't touch him physically. And boy, did, did Satan ever go after Job with a vengeance. I mean, within a short period of time, Job had lost all of his property, all of his livestock, his family, with the exception of his wife, and uh, everything that he had, just everything that he had. And guess what? Job did not curse God. As a matter of fact, if you're, uh, most of the times you'll hear this at a funeral where it said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes, takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, that comes from our buddy Job. That's what he said. Well, here we got Satan again, coming back to God saying, well, you know what? Uh, you, skin for skin, everybody will do something to save their skin. So I'll tell you what, you touch him physically and guess what? He's going to curse you to your face. God says, okay, just don't kill him. Interesting thing about that is, is check it out. No matter what happens, God puts a limit on what happens to us. Same thing happens with us as with Job. God is always with us and in the background. And that's why we're doing this study. One of the reasons. Well, anyway, so Satan does that. Pretty tough. Poor old Job's got sores from the bottom of his feet, top of his head. Doesn't look like much either. He's got, oh, open wounds all over him. It's got maggots in it. Maggots. Can you believe that? That's worse than somebody with leprosy. Can't believe how bad this was. But think about it. The maggots that were in those wounds were cleaning those wounds out. So God was taking care of Job even through this. So now... Job's wife, who we got to cut her some slack because she lost her family and everything else, tells Job, why don't you just curse God and die? <laughs> and Job says to her, now you're just acting like those silly people. In other words, you're acting stupid. He didn't call her stupid. She said, you're just acting stupid. Well, actually, he said, you're acting foolishly. He says, if we can accept the good from God, how come we don't accept the bad from him too? So now we go a little bit further on in our story with our hero Job, and he has three friends that show up from a long distance. Remember, Job is well known. He is the greatest in the East, as he's referred to. And as God refers to him, he is upright and blameless. Not sinless, but blameless. You know, there's only one sinless guy in this world, Jesus Christ, and guess what we did? We crucified him. That leads us into grace. But anyway... After that, he's got his friends that show up, and they really were concerned about it. As a matter of fact, they hung out for seven days just in an ash heap with our buddy Job, and they didn't say anything, which was really the right thing for them to do. Well, fast forward a little bit, and guess what they end up doing? They end up opening their mouths, and they end up giving our friend Job advice. They accuse him of being a terrible sinner, having all this hidden sin, because if not, why would he have all these calamities befall him? And Job is looking at him like, I thought you guys were my friends. How come, why, why are you beating up on me like this? Said, I have not done these things that you are accusing me of, but they keep going. They don't listen to them. And, it, and this, is a, this is a lesson for those of us who go and help our friends who are having troubles, right? We don't just all of a sudden assume that we know what's going on with them. Maybe we should ask. Better yet, what we should do is call upon the Holy Spirit by praying and saying, 
you know what? I don't know what to do here, but I want to bring comfort to my friend. Please show me what I should be doing. His friends didn't do that. So for the last 20 some odd chapters, guys, that's fine, right? But last 20 some odd chapters, we've had this conversation between Job's friends accusing him of being a sinner, and that's why he has all this stuff happened to him, and Job saying, come on, guys, that isn't what's happening at all. Now that brings us up to our current episode in the life of Job, where again, we are starting off in chapter 29, verse 1, where it reads, Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head, and when his light I walked through darkness. When by his light I walked through darkness, excuse me. Just as I was in the days of my prime, when the friendly counsel of God was over my tent, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were around me, when my steps were bathed with cream, and the rock poured out rivers of oil for me, when I went out into the gate of the city, when I took my seat in the open square, when the young man saw me and hid, and the aged arose and stood, the princes refrained from talking and put their hands on their mouth. The voice of nobles was hushed, and their tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth. When their ear heard, then it blessed me. When their eyes saw, then it approved me. Because I delivered the poor who cried out, the fatherless and the one who had no helper. The blessing of a perishing man came upon me, and I caused widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind. I was feet to the lame. I was a father to the poor, and I searched out the case that I did not know. I broke the fangs of the wicked and plucked the victim from its teeth. Then I said, I shall die in my nest and multiply my days as a sand. My root spread out to the waters and the dew lies all night on my branch. My glory is fresh within me and my bow is renewed in my hand. Men listened to me and waited and kept silence for my counsel. After my words, they did not speak again. My speech settled on them like the dew. They waited for me as before the rain, and they opened their mouth wide as for the spring rain. If I mocked them, they did not believe it, and the light of my countenance they did not cast down. I chose the way for them and sat as chief. So I dwelt as a king in the army, as one who comforts the mourners goes on in chapter 30 where it says but big word however now they mock at me men younger than I whose fathers I disdain to put with the dogs of my flock indeed what profit is the strength of their hands to me their vigor has perished they are gone and want and famine from want and famine fleeing late to the wilderness desolate and waste who pluck the mallow by the brushes, and broom trees roots for their food. They're driven out among men. They shout at them as at a thief. They have to live in the clefts of the valleys, in caves of the earth, and in the rocks. Among the bushes they braid, under the nettles they nestle, 
They were sons of fools, yes, sons of vile men. They were scourged from the land. And now I am their taunting song. Yes, I am their byword. They abhor me. They keep far from me. They do not hesitate to spit in my face. Because he has loosed my bowstring and afflicted me. They have cast off restraint before me. At my right hand the rabble arouses. They push away my feet. And they raise against me ways of destruction. They break up my path. They promote calamity. They have no helper. They come as broad breakers. Under the ruinous storm they roll along. Terrors are turned upon me. They pursue my honor as the wind, and my prosperity has passed like a cloud. Okay, that's where we're going to stop, and we're going to go back here and see what all God has for us. Okay, once again, start off in chapter 21, I mean 29, verse 1, and the heading for this is Job's summary defense. He's saying, okay, I have not sinned. This is what I was before I was afflicted with these calamities. Please listen to me. First verse says, Job further continued his discourse and said, Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God watched over me. Uh, he felt he was blessed by God before feeling that he was separated from him says here, oh, that I was as in months past. Now, we first started this study. We we're talking a little about, oh, how long did uh, Job's calamity last? Well, right here where he's giving his discourse, it was months ago. So as in months past, he says, when his lamp <coughs> shone upon my head and by his light, both capital H's referring to God, I walked through the darkness, just as in the day of my prime, when the friendly counsel of God was over my tent. Job's biggest problem wasn't his physical issues, which were very big. Again, here he is. He's covered from the bottom of his feet, the top of his head, with all these sores, maggots thrown in him. His eyes are sunk back. He can't sleep because every time he rolls over, it hurts. He can't eat because of all this stuff going on. His eyes are set back in his head. He's lost weight. He is a physical wreck, right? But worse than that, he feels separated from God. And guess what, gang? That's what hell is. Hell is eternal separation from God. And that's something I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. And here is exactly what Job is feeling, that he is being separated from God. Okay, it goes on here to say, When the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were around me, when my steps were bathed with cream, and the rock poured out rivers of oil for me. Again, he's longing for the good old days. Those of us who have done racing in our times or other sorts of sports and such refer to it as this going from the penthouse to the outhouse, or vice versa. It's a lot better going from the outhouse to the penthouse, but here's our buddy Joe, who's gone from the penthouse to the outhouse. Now, here is something that Charles Spurgeon, a lot smarter guy than me, once said. He says, 
talking about what Job just said in this last passage I was sharing with you. First, he complains that he had lost the consciousness of divine preservation. As it says, as in the days when God watched over me. goes on to say, Job had also lost divine consolation. For he looks back with lamentation to the time when God's candle shone upon his head. Again, when my, his lamp shone on my head. Moreover, Job deplored the loss of divine illumination. It says here, by his light I walk through darkness. And again, Job had lost divine communion. So it seems, for he mourned for the days of his youth, when the secret of God was on his tabernacle, when the friendly counsel of God was on my tent. Job longs to be blessed by God. Again, not realizing what God is doing in the background. I think all of us have suffered through different times in our lives, especially those of us who've been around a little bit longer than, you know, we're now, those of us who are no longer juvenile delinquents, but senior delinquents have experienced a few more things. And when we look back and recognize that God's hand was with us during this entire time, it really is an eye-opener. Okay. Now, verse 7 says, When I went out to the gate by the city, and I took my seat in the open square, Job was very highly respected. You know, he had a big, a, a well-respected position in the city. Okay, you go into the city gates, and if you've got your own chair in the center of the, of the square, you're the guy, right? And he goes on to say, he says, the young men saw me and hid. Well, pretty much what they did, they went into the background. I think we've all done that. We've been around somebody, some, uh, oh, some celebrity, and what we do, we kind of shy back a ways and let them go on. Or somebody who has, who is very charismatic in their, in their delivery of things. We recognize that and stand back. Uh, or, in my case, those who have been preaching the word a very long time and are very uh, proficient at it, boy, I'd rather sit back and listen to them than to try and add my two cents worth. And that's what he's talking about here. These young men are taking a back seat to all of this. And it says, and when the aged and the aged arose and stood, kind of like standing up in court for a judge, right? I remember uh, back when I was a juvenile delinquent and would end up time in traffic court. And uh, every time I have to run off to court, my dad's friend Bob Lamar happened to be down here at the shop. So where are you going, boy? That was his nickname for me. He says, where are you going, boy? I said, oh, got to go up traffic court. She says, he says, you know what you say? I said, what's that? He says, yes, judge. Every time, because every time I'd walk out, he'd say, yes, judge. Well, that's the deal. Yes, judge. Showing respect, standing up. And this is what the old guys did for Job, just like being in court. Okay. Says they, the age rose and stood. The princes refrained from talking and put the hand on their mouth. The voice of nobles was hushed. They're really showing respect and honor for Job. Again, Job 
was blameless and upright. He was a man of God. He went as far as uh, sacrificing just in case for his kids, just in case when they were partying and they did something that was ungodly. And they know this. They knew Job. They know this was not something that Job did behind their backs. This was something that his kids knew. This is something that the entire area ooze where Job was from. Okay, they all knew this. Job was well respected. Okay, verse verse ten continuing. It says the voice of the nobles was hushed, and the tongue and their tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth. They're literally shutting up. You know, they didn't have a thing to say. And when the ear heard, it blessed me. And when the eye saw, then it approved me. Not only was Job well respected, he was also well liked. You know, there are times when there are people that we respect just because of their position. Don't much care for them. But Job was not in that same boat. He was well respected and well liked. So because... I like this. Because I delivered the poor who cried out, the fatherless and the one who had no helper. And I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. The blessing, pardon me, back to verse 13. I skipped over that first portion. The blessing of a perishing man came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe in a turban. I was eyes to the blind, and I was feet to the lame. I was a father to the poor, and I searched out the case that I did not know. I broke the fangs of the wicked and plucked the victim from his teeth. These last six verses counterdict all the accusations that his friends have been giving him in the previous 20-some-odd verses. Then saying, oh, boy, you... You know, you run off the wit with a widow's money. You, you don't help the poor. You're just in it for yourself. Well, he just one by one pounded off. No, that's not me at all. And he's not. Here's the other thing. He's not only is he mentioning that these are the things he did. It's it's like in that old television program for some of you who are old enough to watch it. The Guns of Will Sonnet. One of my favorite television programs where where Walter Brennan would end up by saying no brag, just fact. And that's what Job is saying here. No brag, just fact. Here he is. He was good to those who were in dire straits. Martin Luther says about this that any person can be an eye, soul, and belly to another when he guides him, gives life to him, and preserves him in life and carefully bears him in the womb. In other words, when you take care of somebody, you can be like our buddy Job, who was eyes to the blind. He was he delivered the poor, you know, feet to the lame. We, as believers, can do the same thing for those who are suffering. We can follow Job's lead in this. Okay, verse 18. Then I said, I shall die in my nest and multiply my days in the sand. Pretty much he's figuring that he's going to finish up living where he is. He's going to finish out his life living where he is. Huh. 
I think things changed for Job. And I think a lot of us have had that same experience. Speaking for myself, when I was a young man, newly married, I moved into a house on the corner, had a four-bedroom house, two-bath, had a two-car garage, which at the time was a pretty big deal, really nice place. And I said to myself, I said, self, this is where I'm going to stay. I'm going to be just like my folks. They moved into Luther Street when I was born, and they stayed there till they died. And I thought, man, that's what I'm going to do. Ha, ha, ha. I can't remember how, I can't count on one hand how many times I have moved since that time and how many different things have changed in my life. I feel for Job in this position because here he is, he's thinking, hey, I'm going to be able to do this, I'm going to be able to carry on good from where I am because things are going well, God has been blessing me. He says, my root is spread out to the waters and the dew lies on my branch. My glory is fresh within me and my bow is renewed in my hand. Job was blessed abundantly. I'd like to read from you from earlier here, Job 1, 9 and 10, where it says, <laughs> So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and his household around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. Yes, he was being really blessed at that time. Again, the greatest man in the East. Big deal. Verse 21. Men listened and waited and kept silence for my counsel. After my words, they did not speak. My speech settled on them as do. They waited for me as the rain, and they opened their mouth as for the spring rain. Okay. Again, before all these calamities befell our hero Job, he was respected by all the people. Verse 24, if I mocked at them, they did not believe him. The way I get that is he could be kidding with them, and they take it well. You know, they're just like my dad's buddy Lamar saying to me, say, yes, Judge. He wasn't doing anything but giving me a hard time. It's because he liked me. There's the same thing. Job, people recognize that Job liked him, and that's why he could mock at him. He could, you know, give him a hard time. In the light of my countenance, they did not cast down. I chose a way for them as chief. So I dwelt as king in the army, as for one who comforts mourners. Not only did our hero Job give wise counsel, he also, also had compassion, pardon me, for others. Wow, what a guy. No wonder he was well respected and thought of as being blameless and upright. But what happens? Satan comes in. He wants to mess with things. Satan is there crouching like a lion for you and me. And he can get old of us. But just like Job realized we're going through tough times, God is there with us. And we continue to follow him, not curse him, as Satan was saying that Job would do. Okay, verse 30. Now is 
be afterwards. He went from wealth to poverty. Verse 30. But now they mock at me. Men younger than I, whose fathers I disdained to put with the dogs of my flock. They mock at me. He is now the butt of their jokes. They're probably saying, boy, look at that guy. Boy, wouldn't he so great? Look at him now. What a bum. Making all kind of different jokes. And he's talking about these are guys that really were bums. Guys that their fathers, he wouldn't trust and put with the dogs. Okay. Think about it. You got flocks and you got sheep that you take care of. And shepherds, okay, they weren't necessarily highly regarded, but they were very trustworthy and they would put their life on the line for their flock, right? Well, they got to have dogs to help them out with this. These guys he's referring to, their, his, their fathers, he wouldn't trust them with the dogs. So they were not necessarily in the highest esteem held in the highest esteem. It says, indeed, what profit, what use is the strength of their hands for me? Their vigor has perished. They are gone from want and famine, fleeing late to the wilderness, desolate and waste, who pluck mallow by the bushes, which is a, mallow is the same bush, kind of like, oh, like a hibiscus, okay? Which doesn't have a whole lot of nutrition to it, but you can eat it. Doesn't taste too real good either, kind of bland. They, they use stuff like that. They use mallow to put coloring in the food. Found that interesting. You look at it. That's interesting. And broom trees for for roots of their fruit. Food. Pardon me. Here they are. These guys are so lazy that they don't even go out and try and better themselves. And this is what, what Job is referring to. These guys, they, they really are the lowest. Now it says broom trees root for their food. <laughs> we had, that's a tough tree. That is a tough tree. That thing, they, they grow pretty much kind of wild and they and they put out shade. We read about this when when uh, when Jonah, uh, after he got spit out from the giant fish, he didn't want to be in Nineveh and he ended up looking for shade and the broom he got under a broom tree but then a bunch of snakes and stuff came and started talking that's a whole other story but broom trees pretty prevalent around that area we had one that was growing out in a parking lot here at the shop i can remember as a kid used to be a dirt berm all around the outside before the whole parking lot was um, fake which was really great for a guy like me who was learning to skid corners got dirt track and able to skid them up on an eat berm and all it was a lot of fun but there's this one broom tree that would not die, no matter what what we poured on her, no matter what Dad's buddy Lamar, who was in the citrus fest business, poured on it. That lousy thing would not die. So they're 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 pretty tough. And here he's talking about eating the eating the uh, the root of the broom tree to to sustain him. They're verse five. They're driven out from among men. They're shouted out as at a thief. They had to live in the clefts of the valley, in caves of the earth and the rocks. Among the bushes, they brayed just like wild donkeys. Wow. Under the metals they nestled, they were sons of fools. Yes, sons of vile men. They were scourged from the land. You know, he gives, in these last seven verses, 
he's given a fairly lengthy description of a bunch of good-for-nothing guys <laughs> that came from a bunch of good-for-nothing fathers. And yet, these guys are the ones who are now spitting in his face. 9. Verse 9. I am now their taunting song. Yes, I am their byword. Ain't it ironic? They abhor me. They keep far from me. They do not hesitate to spit in my face. Treat him like a dog. And you know what? Spitting in the face, this is, this is a great shame. Numbers uh, 12, verse 14 talks about spitting in the face. This is such an unclean thing that this is the lowest of low the thing you can do to a guy. Right? So this is what's happening to him. He says, because he, capital H, meaning God, has loosed my bowstring and afflicted me. This is the exact opposite of verse 20 that we just read in, in uh, chapter 29 where it says, my glory is fresh within me, my bow is renewed in, in my hand. This is exact opposite. Now he's talking about his bowstring has been loosed and he is afflicted. They cast off restraint before me. They, these wicked people, cast off restraint. They're uninhibited in how they talk to Job. Remember back, we, he just talked about how the young man went to the back and how the princes covered their mouths, how they pretty much shut up. Well, look at this now. They have cast off restraint. At my right hand, the rabble rises. You know, sitting in somebody's right hand is generally a place of honor. Uh, we see that in the New Testament. We see where uh, the disciples, and one of their moms wanted Jesus to promise that one of the sons could sit at the right hand of the kingdom. Uh, in, a, in the old uh, Apostles' Creed, we talk about where Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. The right, sitting at somebody's right hand is a place of honor. And here, what does he have? At my right hand, the rabble arouses. They push away my feet, and they raise against me their ways of destruction. They break up my path, and they promote my calamity. Again, our hero Job has been receiving nothing but calamity in these last few months. They have no helper. They come as broad breakers under ruinous storm. They roll along. In the ESV, it reads, let me get to the right page here. Uh, it says for verse 14, where I, where I just, just read that they come as broad breakers under ruinous storm, they roll along. It says, as though through a wide breach they come amid the crash they roll on. A wide breach, as in a big hole in a fortress wall. Okay? And they're coming through. Job no longer has this hedge of protection around him, he feels. Although what happened? God put that hedge of protection around him where Satan cannot kill him. 
Verse 15. Terrors are turned upon me. They pursue my honor as the wind. My prosperity has passed like a cloud. Pretty much my prosperity has passed away. Everything has gone away just like the clouds moving in the sky. So what do we get from this? For, for this um, time in our lives. Well, obviously right now we're in a little bit of a tough time. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're watching me via the internet and uh, it's my first shot at it so I hope it's not too laughable. But anyway, we, we are limited on what we can do. Uh, there are restrictions on meetings. They want people to uh, self-quarantine uh, because of this, this virus that is, that is going out throughout the world. This isn't really the best time to be around, guys. Uh, this is a tough time, but we need to remember the same thing is for us as it was for Job. God is with us no matter what. He will always be with us. As we continue on in our study of Job, we find out Job finds out. Right now, Job feels again like he is separated from God. In a few, few more weeks, we'll find out how Job recognizes that's not the case. So this study for us tonight and continuing is that God is with us no matter what. We can always trust in Him. All right. Generally now is when I ask for any questions comments or smart aleck remarks and I'm glad that I can't hear from some of my friends that are watching me on the internet because they generally have them but uh, what I, I do want to say is thank you guys for being here tonight I hope we can continue to do this my desire is that we can do this even when we get back to meeting so maybe more folks who are sick or anything like that can continue on because this is a pretty interesting study that we're in. We continue to be in a bunch of different interesting studies. So, uh, if uh, just right now, if there's something I'd like to do that uh, comes from my background, I'd just like to give you a blessing. Just may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Amen.